best friend. It is almost Christmas. God bless. Yes. You know, here we are. And we so now we're recording in the morning. That's a first for us. It is. We've never done this. No. Our voices are are soft and tender. Well, aren't they always? No. Not at all. And also, I'm not exactly what a normal person would call, you know, a, a morning being, a morning person. No. I'm not a ray of sunshine. <laughs> I, I'm not running on even half capacity in the morning. I know, friend. I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. That's okay. It's just how my body is. Now, if we it were is. if we were recording at like 2 a.m., Yes. Oh, I'd be ready to go. We could do that. Let's do that one time. Sure. Because you know we're both up. Yeah. yeah. We do text sometimes at that time. We do. Yeah. Um. So if I trail off or just forget to say anything, yeah. that's why. It's because I'm just shutting down okay. internally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're about, our kids are about to go on break today. Thank goodness. Yeah, everybody needs it. Everybody needs to stretch their bones in bed. <laughs> like, not, we don't have to get up early. Just have, let everyone relax. Yeah. Cuddle up. Yeah. They're going to say, what's for breakfast? That's okay. Okay. I'm a big proponent of cuddling. And yeah, me blankets too. Blankets and being cozy. Me too. But they're not, mine aren't going to want to do that. They don't. They well, don't. Karsten will. Okay. He will for a little bit, but then he'll say, okay, it's enough. <laughs> he goes like this, okay, to 10. I, I'm going to, from 10. Or, okay, from 3. What the? Anyway, you know, it's all fine. You know what's cute is uh, Logan, because, you know, he's 16, and... Every once in a while, if we're if we're in the den and we're watch, we're gonna watch a movie or something, he's like, "Don't you want to come sit next to me?" Oh, I'm like, "Yes, I do." Oh, <laughs> sweet. That won't last forever. No, but I'll take it while I can. You sure will, because then they grow up and, you know, what? What is it? What? <laughs> Get away. Yeah. Okay, mother, can you stop? <laughs> it's getting me mad. I'm getting in a bad mood. Y'all. <laughs> It's, you know, just is what it is. And you can't ask them, would you like a kiss? Oh, no. You just go take it. Would you like a hug? Would you like a kiss? No. Can I give you a kiss? No. No. You just have to take it. Yeah. You take it. And I scare them a lot. <laughs> I, like, hide behind the couch because, you know, I want them to know I'm on my toes. What? You hide behind the couch? Yeah, like when they come home. <laughs> I get on my hands and knees. The only thing is the dogs are all there going. <laughs> and then they see the dogs. <laughs> but I do. Because I'm going to say, listen, I'm on my toes, people. Don't count me out. Anyway, we are we are good here. Yes, yes. We are good and blessed. And, you know, we just read about the gospel, about the fruit of the spirit. Me and you did, huh? Yeah, we did. It was wonderful and blessed and sharing the gospel and praise our Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to start us in Sure. Prayer? Okay. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word today. I ask that you would increase my wisdom and understanding as I read. Speak to me through your word, Lord. 
I pray that your word would create in me a clean mind and a renewed heart. Hide your words in the folds of my heart for times of need by myself or others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, we are going to be talking about 1 Samuel chapters 8 through 16. A lot to talk about, uh, but first let's recap 1 Samuel chapters 4 through 7. The Israelites believed the Ark of the Covenant would give them victory over the Philistines. Eli's sons were killed and the Ark was captured. Eli died. The Lord sent plagues to the Philistines uh, when they possessed the Ark. And uh, Samuel was the last judge. Anything you wanted to add to that? No. Sounds great. Okay, so chapter 8. First Samuel chapter 8 verse 1. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. And his sons weren't obedient to the Lord like their father was. The Israelite elders weren't pleased and asked for, quote, a king to judge us like all the other nations. So they didn't want to judge anymore. They didn't fully trust God. No. They wanted a king. And Samuel prayed and received this answer from the Lord. And if you would please read 1 Samuel verses 7 and 8. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied. For it is, for it is me they are rejecting, not you. They do not want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Mm. Is that not the truth? Yeah. Now, did you have uh, any notes for that first part of chapter 8? Yes. Um, It is impossible to know if Samuel was a bad parent. His children were old enough to be on their own. We must be careful not to blame ourselves for the sins of our children. On the other hand, parenthood is an awesome responsibility, and nothing is more important than molding and shaping our children's lives. If your growing children are not following God, realize that you can't control them any longer. Don't blame yourself for something that is no longer your responsibility, though you can certainly continue to pray for them. But if your children are still in your care... Know that what you do and teach profoundly affects your children and lasts a lifetime. Yeah, that's why, you know, you just want to give them a a solid foundation. Yes. Sometimes you give them a solid foundation and things happen. Yeah. But you got to, you got to give that to them. Yes, I agree. And as we know, as we've read, we may plant the seed and generations later, even when we're gone from earth, it may be watered. Mm-hmm. You know? That's right. But we can pray, but, you know, it's all we can do. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, any other notes for that area? I do. Okay. I had the people clamored for a king, thinking that a new system of government would bring about a change in the nation. But because their basic problem was disobedience to God, their other problems would only continue under the new administration. What they needed was a unified faith, not a uniform rule. Had the Israelites submitted to God's leadership, they would have thrived beyond their expectations. 
Our obedience is weak if we ask God to lead our family or personal life, but continue to live by the world's standards and values. Faith in God must touch all the practical areas of life. Mm. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, yes. Samuel obeyed the Lord and warned the Israelites what was going to happen to them under a king, and the Lord would not help them when Israelites begged for help. Samuel told the Lord the people still wanted a king, and the Lord agreed. You know what I love is um, the Lord never gave false information or false hope over things. He always told the prophets, "Yeah, listen, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, Go ahead and tell them yeah. that this is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Did you have any remaining notes for uh, chapter 8? Samuel carefully explained all the negative consequences of having a king, but the Israelites refused to listen. When you have an important decision to make, weigh the positive and negatives carefully, considering everyone who might be affected by your choice. When you want something badly enough, it is difficult to see the potential problems, but don't discount the negatives. Unless you have a plan to handle each one, they will cause you great difficulty later. Mm. Um, Israel was called to be a holy nation, separate from, from and unique among all others. The Israelites' motive in asking for a king was to be like the nations around them. This was in total opposition to God's original plan. It was not their desire, a ki- desire for a king that was wrong, but their reasons for wanting a king. Often we let others' values and actions dictate our attitudes and behavior. Have you ever made a wrong choice because you wanted to be like everyone else? Be careful that the values of your friends or heroes don't pull you away from what God says is right. When God's people want to be like unbelievers, they are heading for spiritual disaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a a huge thing, is being influenced by other people. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that I do that, and that's a hard battle for me. Okay, yeah. With, I mean, we all, yeah, we all do it, but so that's something you battle? Yeah, with the, with our a friend of ours. I, she's of a different religion, and I feel like I get, want to be stronger in my faith and be more defending it. Mm-hmm. Instead of just going along with what she says. Mm-hmm. I don't say I agree but I don't say well no that's not right Mm -hmm. you know no it's this way it's a slippery slope because when you have a good friend you don't want to hurt their feelings but then you don't want to make excuses right so it's it's a tough it's a tough position I think there is a way to be nice but just be like this is what I believe yeah yeah exactly it's very hard because you never want to be mean or demeaning to someone. That's that that that's not how God was. That's not how Jesus was. Yeah. And not that I want to hurt her or change. You know, of course I want her to become a Christian because I want her to be saved. But And I'm sure a lot of people have that struggle. You know, they have friends of, of other religions. And you hope that, you know, they're not, they're respectful of you. You're respectful of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Anything else for chapter eight? No. 
Alrighty, chapter 9. Now Saul comes into the picture. He was a very handsome man. And one of his servant, him and one of his servants went searching for stray donkeys. They couldn't find them and chose to seek out a local man of God, hoping he could help. Meanwhile, the Lord made Samuel aware that he was sending a man from the tribe of Benjamin to lead the Israelites, and that man was Saul. The two met, and Samuel invited him as a guest of honor, and before Saul left town, told him, in part, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 27, Stay here, for I have received a special, special message for you from God. Um, did you have a note for... Well, actually, that is, that's all I had for chapter 9. Do you have any notes for chapter 9? Um, Saul's father sent him on an important mes- mission to find their stray donkey. Donkeys were all-purpose animals. They, the pickup trucks of Bible times. Used for transportation, hauling, and farming, they were considered necessities. Even the poorest families owned one. To, to own many donkeys was a sign of wealth, and to lose them was to was a disaster. Saul's father was a wealthy, and his many donkeys were evidence of that wealth. Often we think that events just happen to us. But as we learn from this story about Saul, God may use common occurrences to lead us where he wants. It is important to evaluate all situations as potential divine appointments designed to shape our lives. Think of all the good and bad circumstances that have affected you lately. God, or Can you see God's purpose in them? Perhaps he is building a certain quality in you or leading you to serve him in a new area. Oh, I love that. Yeah, me too. And that, that does happen. We've talked about oh. that. All yes. the people that, that come into your life. Yes, for sure. Uh, anything else for chapter 9? I have one little one. Sure. Other. Um, it says, although Saul had been called by God and had a mission in life, he struggled constantly with jealousy, insecurity, arrogance, impulsiveness, and deceit. He did not decide to be wholeheartedly committed to God because Saul would not let God's love Give rest to his heart. He never became God's man. Hmm. As we will see. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to chapter 10. Samuel obeyed the Lord and appointed Saul as ruler over Israel. He poured a flask of olive oil over Saul's head. Did you have a note for that part? Um, When an Israelite took office, he was... Not only crowned, he was also anointed. The coronation was the political act of dis- establishing the king as ruler. The anointing was the religious act of making the king God's representative to the people. A king was always anointed by a priest or prophet. The special anointing oil was a mixture of olive oil, myrrh, and other expensive spices. It was poured over the king's head to symbolize the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God in his life. This anointing ceremony was to remind the king of his great responsibility to lead his people by God's wisdom and not his own. Samuel um, presented Saul as, as the new king to the Israelites. You know, in the notes there, it said, Israel's true king was God, but the nation demanded another Imagine wanting a human being instead of God as guide and leader. Throughout history, men and women have rejected God 
and they continue to do it today. Are you rejecting God by pushing him aside and acknowledging someone or something else as your king or top priority? Learn from these stories of Israel's king and don't push God aside. Yes. And then at the very end of chapter 10, we learn about the king of the Ammonites, Nahash, uh, who gouged out the right eyes of all the Israelites that lived in his land. Ridiculous. It really is. Yeah. Um, anything for chapter 10 you wanted to go over? Um, that's all I had. Okay. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. The only thing I had regarding Saul, his lessons from his life and the little insert was he wants obedience from God wants obedience from the heart, not mere acts of religious rituals. God wants to make us of our God wants to make use of our strengths and weaknesses. Weaknesses should help us remember our need for God's guidance and help. So just as you know, it's not like just going to church on Sunday. Mhm. And you got to feel that, like the change, as we were talking about. I just think that, that you know, we got to remember that. And, and we are weak. And if we recognize that and go to him for guidance and help, we can't do it by ourselves. No, no. You know, I, we've been talking about this the last few sessions, but it's that consistency. You know, God wants you to, to have that earnestness, that honesty yeah with him because he knows when you're you know you're not into it or you're just kind of going through the motions and that isn't what he wants no not at all no okay so that was chapter 10 10. okay yeah so chapter 11 yeah we learn a little bit more about king nahash or yeah nahash okay um he was going to attack the israelite town jabesh gilead the locals wanted peace and agreed to be his servants, but Nahash only agreed to this if he could gouge out all of their right eyes. This guy had a thing for right eyes. I don't know. What did he do with them? Oh, Amy. Oh, I don't know. Mm-mm. Saul received word of this and gathered over 300,000 men to attack the Ammonites, and they were victorious. Did you have any notes or anything else for chapter 11? Why would Nahash give the city of Jabesh Gilead seven days to find an army to help them? Because Israel was still disorganized. Nahash was betting that no one would come to the city's aid. He was hoping to take the city without a fight and avoid a battle. He also may not have been prepared to attack the city because a siege against its walls could last weeks or months. And... I had um, another one for 11. Yeah. Judah, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, is often mentioned separately from the other 11. There are several reasons for this. Judah was the largest tribe. It was a tribe from which most of Israel's kings would come. And Judah would also be the tribe through which the Messiah would come. Okay, so let's move on to chapter 12. Now, we learn in the notes, Samuel continued to serve the people as their priest, prophet, and judge, but Saul exercised more and more political and military control over the tribes. And Samuel was now an old man, spoke to all of Israel. 
Uh, he wanted them to acknowledge he never wronged the Israelites. And then Samuel recalled times when they turned their backs on God. And if you wouldn't mind reading verses 14 and 15, please. Now, if you fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. But if you rebel against the Lord's commands and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be as heavy upon you as it was upon your ancestors. Uh, in the notes, it said, God granted the nation's request for a king, but his commands and, re and requirements remain the same. God was to be their true king, and both Saul and the people were to be subject to his laws. No person is ever exempt, exempt from God's laws. No human action is outside his jurisdiction. God is the true king of every area of life. We must recognize his kingship and pattern, our relationships, work life, and home life according to his principles. Amen. Yeah. Um, did you have more notes for chapter 12? I did, but it's further in the... Go ahead, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why did God make Israel his very own people? God did not choose them because they deserved it, but in order that they might become his channel of blessing to all people because God chose the people of Israel he would never abandon them but because they were his special nation he would often punish them for their disobedience in order to bring them back to a right relationship with him anything else for chapter 12 that's all I had you know what I thought was was interesting before we close out chapter 12 because they had talked about they had talked about um prayer mm -hmm. and praying for others and in the notes that it said is failing to pray for others a sin mm. i would have never thought about that well i'll, I'll read on i'll let okay. you i'll let you it says here samuel's words seem to indicate that it is his actions illustrate two of god's people's responsibilities one they should pray consistently for others and two they should teach others the right way to god Samuel disagreed with the Israelites' demand for a king, but he assured them that he would continue to pray for them and teach them. We may disagree with others, but we shouldn't stop praying for them. Would you, what does verse 23 say? Would you mind telling me? As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you, and I will continue to teach you what is good for you, what is good and right. Hmm. Okay. I could see how it could be a sin because we're here to be God's vessel and we're here to bring people to the Lord. And if we're not praying for others, you know, we're, then what are we doing? Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we want to bring people and tell them about him. And of course we pray for people always. Yeah. So it's something that comes natural. Yeah. So I never looked at it that way, but I could see that, yeah. can't you? Yeah, even if you disagree or yeah, whatever I mean, the circumstances. That's the best ones to pray. That's the best one Yeah, to get that hate out of your heart. Yeah. Okay, anything else for chapter 12? No, that's all I had. Okay, chapter 13. Now, uh, this was the introduction in our Bible uh, for chapter 13. It didn't take... But this isn't in scripture, but it was just in our Bible. 
inter, uh, it didn't take long for Saul to show his true colors as Israel's king. He was more concerned about appearances than actually obeying God's commands, and so God rejected him as king of Israel. God allowed him to continue to serve as king as long as he lived, but he would not be able to pass his crown on to his sons when he died. We need to obey God wholeheartedly because he sees beyond appearances to the motivation of our hearts. Chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 42 years. That's a long time. Yeah. Uh, Both Saul and his son Jonathan took troops to battle the Philistines. Even though Jonathan's men defeated them, Saul decided to take credit for the victory. Boy, we all know people like that. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. That's That's a worldly thing. It is. Um, did you have notes for uh, for that part? Um, Jonathan attacked and destroyed the Philistine outpost, but Saul took all the credit for it. Although this was normal in that culture, it didn't make his action right. Saul's growing pride started out small, taking credit for a battle that was won by his son. Left unchecked, his pride grew into an ugly obsession Thus it destroyed him, tore his family apart, and threatened the well-being of the nation. Taking credit for the accomplishments of others indicate that pride is controlling your life. When you notice pride taking a foothold, take immediate steps to put it in check by giving credit to those who deserve it. Mm-hmm. Now, so, oh, oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, Karsten watches this guy called Darman, and they're these little clips of actors and basically it's life lessons like one was a this police officer he got hired and he was with this um sergeant or whatever he he tells me to watch him sometimes so i was watching one with him and the sergeant was cheating like he he put um put pills on a person when he would when he would plant things plant things yeah so anyway he got his last guy fired long story short the one guy that he got fired before the new one never said anything. Oh. Like, yeah, he did me wrong. Well, they found out, and then that guy got fired, and the, the guy he cheated wrongly became a sergeant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's these life lessons like, hey, you know, you always do good. You'll get you'll get the right, you'll get paid back in a good way. Mm-hmm. Always do the right thing. And that really reminded me of that. Oh. You know, you don't even have to... Always do the right thing. You don't have to go yelling and screaming and say, no, I did that. Mm-hmm. That was me. That was me. Don't, why? It's not necessary. It's not necessary. God knows. And just humble yourself mm-hmm. and just, you know, that's really too bad. And it looks like Jonathan did it. Yeah. I mean, this man, look at what God gave him in this one. Seems like a good son so far, but we'll see. But, yeah, you know. No, don't be sorry. All right. Don't be sorry. That's just a good little little um, thing to watch on YouTube, believe it or not. I can Anyway. And it's called Darman? D-H-A-R. Oh, D-H-A, okay. And then man. Okay. He's, he's um, Indian or Arab. Oh, okay, okay. And he does these little clips. It's really cute. Okay. Well, I shouldn't say cute. You know, whatever. Anyway. It's, it's, it's something positive. Yeah, it's a positive thing. Yeah. I couldn't believe he found it. <laughs> oh, anyway. 
Uh, okay, so moving on with chapter 13. Saul became impatient while waiting for Samuel to arrive and present the burnt and peace offering, so he decided to sacrifice the offerings himself. And Samuel was not pleased when he arrived shortly after. Um, would you mind reading 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 and 14? Not at all. Let me find him. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So boom, just like that. Just like that, you're done, buddy. And in the notes it said Saul had plenty of excuses for his disobedience, but Samuel zeroed in on the real issue. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Like Saul, we often gloss over our mistakes and sins trying to justify our actions because of our special circumstances. But our excuses are nothing more than disobedience. God knows our true motives. He forgives, restores, and blesses only when we are honest about our sins. By trying to hide his sins behind excuses, Saul lost his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Ooh, and we do that. I do that. Uh, I can't speak for you, but, you know, oh, well. I know. Yeah. It's because of this and this. Yeah. You don't want it. No one wants to be their their sin put in their face. No one wants that. Ooh. They don't. No one. Who who does? That's, you know what, that's pretty powerful. No, yeah. they don't. I mean, you really don't. But, you know, sometimes you got to just say, yeah, hey, that, yeah, I did that. Take right. away that pride. Yeah. I, I, that's a hard thing, but yeah, that's right, I did. Darn it, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. A, a it lot hits of, you. Yeah, and a lot of people can't no take that no they're so far away from reality mm. in this world mm -hmm. and like want money money things things this that there's a spiritual battle going oh, on. oh amen for sure for sure and it does open up your eyes when you get off of social media and stuff like that because you see how things really are in the world Pardon me. At least in your area. area, your area, you see how things really are. Yeah. When you get off of, like, news and social media, and then you you see what's going on, it's like, wait a minute. This this is really kind of what's going on. Why don't I don't know? Like, why why is there that? Why is that battle going on? What's what's trying to happen here? Something is happening, and it's all in the plan. Mm -hmm. And. Fear is a liar. You just have to get into your basic. You have to deal with the facts and not, that's it. Yeah. What are the facts? Yeah. Take all the emotion out of it. You have to think like a man. I'm not being mean, but you do. Yeah. What's the facts? Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Yeah. And it will, it's all going to be for God's glory. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you know, you got to remember, if you're not here and you're a Christian, you're going to be in the glory of God. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Don't live in fear. Don't no. do it, friends. No. Anything else for chapter 13? No. Okay. Chapter 14. Um, now, Jonathan and his armor bearer, 
battled over 20 Philistines and won because of their trust in the Lord to give them victory. The Philistines panicked, and then an earthquake struck, and then the, because they became so confused, they started killing each other. Saul placed his men under an oath to not eat before evening, but Jonathan didn't hear the command and, and ate. The Lord didn't reply to Saul later that day and prayed for the Lord to reveal whoever sinned among them should be put to death. Jonathan was revealed as the sinner, but the Israelites wouldn't allow the killing due to Jonathan's previous victory for Israel. Um, did you have anything for that part in chapter 14? Yes. Jonathan did not have authority to lead the troops into battle, but he could start a small skirmish in one corner of the enemy camp. When he did, panic broke out among the Philistines. The Hebrews had been drafted into the Philistine army, revolted, and the men who were hiding in the hills regained their courage and returned to fight. When you're facing a difficult situation that's beyond your control, ask yourself, what steps can I take now to work toward a situation? A few, few small steps may just be what is needed to begin a chain of events leading to an eventual victory. Mm. And then I don't have anything about the eating, I don't think. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and then just a reminder about the, um, the eating meat and the animal's blood, in yes. case we forgot, because that was back in Genesis, that the blood was so sacred because it, it represented life, and life belonged to God. Yes. So that's why that was such a big deal. Right, that's right. I had that, yeah. Saul and his men were victorious in many battles throughout his reign. Um, and then did you have anything else for chapter 14? Yes. Uh -huh. This is the second of Saul's foolish vows. Saul made his first of his two oaths because he was overly anxious to defeat the Philistines and wanted to give his soldiers an incentive to finish the battle quickly. In the Bible... God never asked people to make oaths or vows, but if they did, he expected them to keep them. Saul's vow was not something God would have condoned, but still, it was an oath, and Jonathan, although he didn't know about Saul's oath, was nevertheless guilty of breaking it. Like Jeff Jephath, Saul made an oath that risked the life of his own child. Fortunately, the people intervened and spared Jonathan's life. I also have, regardless of God's reasons for delaying Saul's demise, his reign ended exactly the way God had foretold it. The timing of God's plans and promises is known only to him. Our task is to commit our ways to God and then trust him for the outcome. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, really, that one sentence sums it up. Yeah. Yes, it is. Our task is to commit our ways to God and then trust him for the outcome. Yeah. Uh -uh. The, only God's going to know all of those outcomes. Everyone, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to chapter 15. And then, so chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, wow. camels, and donkeys. 
So the Lord wanted them all out. Everything. I'll read the note here for that part. Why did God command such utter destruction? The Amalekites were a band of guerrilla terrorists. They lived by attacking other nations and carrying off their wealth and their families. They were the first to attack the Israelites as they entered the promised land, and they continued to raid Israelite camps at every opportunity. God knew that the Israelites could never live peacefully in the promised land as long as the Amalekites existed. He also knew that their corrupt, idolatrous religious practices threatened Israel's relationship with him. The only way to protect the Israelites' bodies and souls was to utterly destroy the people of this warlike nation and all their possessions, including their idols. Boy, we talk about uh, an instance where the, the Israelites, it's all in God's plan, and they had no idea this was going yeah. to happen so many years down the line. Gosh, I know it. Because, I mean, it says here, I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Well, goodness me, how many years ago was that? Yeah. You know, so you just have no idea. Now, Saul and his men captured the Amalekite king, Agog, and kept the best of their livestock. Now, that isn't what what God said. Did you have a note for that part in chapter 15? Saul and his men did not destroy all the plunder from the battle as God had commanded. The law of devoting something, setting it aside entirely for destruction, was well known to the Israelites. Anything under God's ban was to be completely destroyed. This was set up in order to prevent idolatry from taking hold in Israel because many of the valuables were idols. To break this law was punished by death. It showed disrespect and disregard for God because it directly violated his command. When we gloss over sin in order to protect what we have or for material gain, we aren't being shrewd. We are disobeying God's law. Selective obedience is just another form of disobedience. Hmm. That was so good. Mm -hmm. They, They were trained that from the time they were taken out they knew yeah even with the the raining of the manna or whatever they ate oh yes yes remember yes. when they tried to take more yes and he said look remember the mold and yep, the, it would go bad every time when they took too much stuff people got killed yeah uh then in first samuel chapter 15 verses 10 and 11 Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. That's a very interesting verse. It really is. That the Lord would say he was sorry that he he did that. And then the note said, when God said he was... See, this is where notes come in so handy. Oh, isn't it? Yes. When God said he was sorry that he had made Saul king, was he saying he had made a mistake? God's comment was an expression of sorrow, not an omission of error. An omniscient God cannot make a mistake. Therefore, God did not change his mind in the same way humans change their minds. He did, however, change his attitude towards Saul when Saul changed. Saul's heart no longer belonged to God, but to his own interests. Oh, okay. Would you mind reading chapter 15, verse 22? No, not at all. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, 
your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping of idols. The note regarding that verse, or those verses, this yeah. is the first of numerous places in the Bible where the theme, obedience is better than sacrifice, is stated. Was Samuel saying that sacrifice is unimportant? No, he was urging Saul to look at his reasons for making the sacrifice, rather than at the sacrifice itself. A sacrifice was a ritual transaction between a person and God that physically demonstrated a relationship between them. But if the person's heart was not truly repentant, or if he did not truly love God, the sacrifice was a hollow ritual. Religious ceremonies or rituals are empty unless they are performed with an attitude of love and obedience. Quote, unquote, being religious, going to church, serving on a committee, giving to charity is not enough if we do not act out of devotion and obedience to God. I highlight, I highlighted that part. I thought that was just really important. Yes. And we had just touched upon it. Yes, it is. It really is. Yeah. Now, yeah. Saul admitted his sins to Samuel, but the Lord had rejected him as Israel's king. And Samuel went on to cut Agog to pieces. My gosh. I know. Um, did you have anything else for chapter 15? Saul became both rebellious and stubborn, so it is little wonder that God finally rejected him and took him away, took away his kingdom. Rebellion against God is perhaps the most serious sin of all because a person rebels, a person who rebels closes the door of forgiveness and restoration with God. Saul was more concerned about what others would think of him than he was about the status of his relationship with God. He begged Samuel to go with him to worship as a public demonstration that Samuel still supported him. If Samuel had refused, the, had refused, the people probably would have lost all confidence in Saul. Mm. That's all I have. Okay. Um, and then real quick, I had... Saul's excuses had come to an end. It was the time of reckoning. Now, this part I thought was really important. I don't know why this one struck me. God wasn't rejecting Saul as a person. The king could still seek forgiveness and restore his relationship with God, but was too late to get his kingdom back. I, I just never separated the two. Yeah, okay. But, but personally, yeah. he was... He was still okay. He could still have a relationship with God. Yeah. If you do not act responsibly with what God has entrusted to you, eventually you will run out of excuses. All of us must one day give an account for our actions. Amen. Amen. Anything else for chapter 15? No. Okay, chapter 16. Now, this again is, is the descriptive opening in the Bible. It's not an actual verse. God rejected Saul for his disobedience and called on Samuel to anoint Israel's next king while Saul still sat on the throne. Unlike Saul, the next king would be chosen for the quality of his heart rather than for his outward appearance. David was the one God chose to be king for his people. Now, the Lord sent Samuel to Bethlehem to specifically anoint David. And then if you wouldn't mind reading um, chapter 16, verse 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought 
and anointed David with oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. I love when they say, like, when the Spirit of the Lord comes down on someone. Yeah. Um, did you have uh, any notes for chapter 16? I did. Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons to prepare them to come before God in worship or to offer a sacrifice. Saul was a tall and handsome, tall and handsome. He was an impressive looking man. Samuel may have been trying to find someone who looked like Saul to be Israel's next king, but God warned him against judging by appearance alone. When people judge by outward appearance, they may overlook quality individuals who lack the particular physical qualities society currently admires. Appearance doesn't reveal what people are really like or what their true value is. Fortunately, God judges by faith and character, not appearances. And because only God can see on the inside, only He can accurately judge people. Most people spend hours each week maintaining their outward appearance. They should do even more to develop their inner character. While everyone can see your face, only you and God know what your heart really looks like. What steps are you taking to improve your heart's attitude? Mm. Love that. I just wish every person could just get that in their head. No, I just love that. While everyone can see your face, only you and God know what your heart really looks like. Yeah. What steps are you taking to improve your heart's attitude? And, you know, when I read that, I had highlighted it, and I thought, you know, that's something we can, every one of us can can work on. Like, yeah. maybe that's all something we can all really work on next year. Yeah, our heart. Did you have more notes for that part? Yes. When Saul asked... David to be in his service. He obviously didn't know that David had been secretly anointed king. Saul's invitation presented an excellent opportunity for the young man and future king to gain first-hand information about leading a nation. Sometimes our plans, even the ones we think God has approved, have to be put on hold indefinitely. Like David, we can use this waiting time profitably. We can choose to learn and grow in our pre- present circumstances whatever they may be yeah because Saul had sent for a a harp player because he had a God had put a tormented spirit on him yeah and that harp player was David okay so Saul Saul was pleased with him and then um, David stayed in his service okay that's how those two connected connected yeah okay all right Anything else for our readings at all? No, that's it. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, very good. Um, let's give out some information. The email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy, and the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. Now, for next time, Amy. We're really going to start to get into the whole chronological part yes. of our Bible. Because as we've mentioned, we're working from the chronological Bible. Now, if you are reading along with us, we are going to be reading 1 Samuel chapters 17 through 22. But there are going to be some added verses in here. Yeah. So I'm going to read through them. 
And if you don't get all of them, that's okay. Just go to our Facebook page and I have them all listed there. So I'm going to read them right now. 1 Samuel chapter 17 through 19 verse 17. Psalm 59. 1 Samuel chapter 19 verses 18 through 21. Psalm 34. 1 Samuel chapter 22 verses 1 through 2. Psalm 57. Psalm 142. 1 Chronicles chapter 12 verses 8 through 18, 1 Samuel chapter 22 verses 3 through 23, and Psalm 52. I know that sounds a little confusing, but that's how it is chronologically. Um, and like I said, it, that's on the Facebook page, so you don't have to, you know, if you didn't get it as I read it off, that's okay. It's on the Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments or anything, prayer requests, go ahead and contact us. Anything else, friend? No, just have a blessed Christmas. Well, will they know that yet? Blessed Christmas? We'll put it anyway. Yeah, have a blessed Christmas and may the new year be wonderful for all of you. Amen. Amen. Catch you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.